This is Kiana, and this is that Broad's Got Moxie. Kiana, I'm 3.33% of that Broad's Got Moxie team. And as you know, because of the stay home and stay healthy order that we have in place in Portland, I am recording kind of on my lonesome, at least without the Broad's with Moxie, who run this podcast. But today I'm joined by a first-time listener and roommate, <laughs> Levi Markham. Levi, what's it like being an unsupportive friend? <laughs> also, Levi's not allowed to speak unless it's clarifying questions because <laughs> we don't care about a man's opinion <laughs> on this podcast. Thank you, Levi. So, we can get right into it. Or kind of. Levi doesn't know who I'm talking about today. Neither do you guys. But, here we go. Today I'm talking about the queen. Which queen do you ask? Why, the queen of chess, of course. <laughs> so, my sources today um, is an article called, article called The Emergence of Two Powerful Queens, Queen Isabella of Spain and the Chess Queen by B. Marinello. Um, another article called In Chess, Why the Queen is More Powerful Than the King by Charlie Carpenter. Another article called The Queen Piece of Modern Chess was inspired by Queen Isabella by Cleopatra and an entry on chess.com. And then also not a direct source, but all of the articles that I read cited this book and I also used direct quotes from the book. It's called Birth of the Chess Queen, A History by Marilyn Yalome, which... I looked for. Couldn't find it. Not a copy online. But I did want to give it its due. So, for those of you who don't know, the game of chess, old as fuck. And it's been all around the world. Like, everywhere plays chess. Just a fun fact, the oldest known chess pieces date to about 760 AD and consist of seven pieces, which is a king, a chariot, a vizier, a horse, an elephant, and two soldiers, and the oldest chess manual written is in Arabic and dates to 840 AD. So, she's been, she's been around. Just long story short on the history of chess. Chess, not chest. Chess. And also just an explanation of the game. Chess is a two-player strategy board game played on a checkerboard with 64 squares arranged in an 8x8 grid. It's played by millions of people worldwide, and it is believed to have originated from an Indian game popular in the 6th century, which literally translates to four divisions of the military. Uh, the game spread out of India both eastward and westward along the Silk Road, and spent some time along the way developing fun quirks and strategies, specifically in the Arabian Peninsula, and then it went to Europe in the 9th century due to the Umayyad conquest of Hispania. Then it was spread to Europe in the 9th century due to the Umayyad conquest of Hispania, where that's where we know the game as we know it now started. So it was like the starting of modern chess was in Hispania. Cool. We'll get to that. We'll get to where all that. In most languages, the piece is known as queen or lady, but is also referred to as tsarista, boriana, baba, vizier, minister, advisor, or hetman, which is the name of a major historical military 
political office in Poland. Which is weird, but, you know, teach their own. The White Queen starts on the White Square, which is D1, or on the White Square D1. There's not only one White Square. And the Black Queen starts on a Black Square, which is D8. And you can remember this with the mnemonic, Queen gets her color. So white goes on white, black goes on black. I'm just teaching you how to play chess for those who don't know. And the queen can move any number of unoccupied squares in a straight line, vertically, horizontally, or diagonally, thus combining the moves of the rook and bishop. And the queen captures any, any of its foes by occupying the square which the enemy piece sits. So you just gotta, just gotta go there. Now that you know her moves, let's get into her history, because that's what this is all about. So remember the, the history of chess I told you two seconds ago in Hispania? Okay, we're there. So the game arrives in old Hispania, a.k.a. the Iberian Peninsula, a.k.a. Spain and Portugal, but mostly Spain. So it's there. It's not really what we know as chess now, but it would soon become the game we know and love. Around 1200, minor modifications began, and then around 1475, major changes made the game essentially as it is known today. And most notably, that's when we got the queen. Originally, the chess piece that would later become a queen was a much weaker figure, and it was called the vizier, the furs, or the advisor. This piece was the king's right-hand man and was only capable of moving diagonally and one square at a time. When the game came to Europe, this figure was Christianized. <laughs> And the right-hand man soon became the queen, thus introducing the only depiction of a woman to the game of chess. The queen at this point was considered the second weakest piece on the board, only above the pawns. And the movements that the piece made on the board were seen as symbolic. So, quote, her short crooked moves were seen as a sin, morally inferior to the straight movements of the rooks and kings. And then one medieval commenter wrote, quote, her move is a slant only because women are so greedy that they will take nothing except by rapine and injustice. <laughs> yeah, it's gross. <laughs> At one point, her capabilities were extended to moving diagonally two spaces, but it wasn't until the end of the 15th century that the queen's mobility came to what we know today. Now, there is no real certainty why the queen's capability changed so drastically, but there are three paths that historians understand as what caused the change. So, one, chess was too goddamn long to play. So, previously, a game of chess could last for a day or a few days to finish, and ancient chess players wanted a quicker, more perfect game of tactics and strategy. And so, because the queen couldn't do much, but, like, looked important on the chess board, it was the quickest route to change the game's pace. So, it sort of just by default became what it was today. That's one belief. Second one sort of piggybacks off the first belief in that chess was too damn long to play, except it argues that there were many interpretations to make the game quicker, in including super knights or power rooks. And the fact that the queen piece got to formally retain these super and power moves that the other pieces did was a bit of a fluke and could have easily been another piece it just sort of ended up as the queen. The third one, and the final interpretation, which I believe, because I want to believe it, 
not because I know the history of chess, <laughs> was introduced in the book that I referenced earlier, Birth of the Chess Queen, a History by Marilyn Yalom. And in it, she argues that the queen piece was reflective of society's perceived change to the queen status in many royal families at the time, but namely Isabella I of Castile. So she writes, quote, A militant queen more powerful than her husband had arisen in Castile. Why not on the chessboard as well? Dr. Westerfield, who's a Dutch chess historian, also connects Isabella to the introduction of the queen, stating, Quote, around 1475, when Isabella was crowned Queen of Castile, the vizier became female, but able to move only one square at a time, like the king. Not until 1495, when Isabella was the most powerful woman in Europe, were the present rules of chess established, in which the queen roams freely in all directions on the board. So, Isabella was one of the most powerful women in Europe, and her rise to power coincided with the emergence of the Queen chess piece. Just to further this argument, two things were popular in Spain at this time, chess and Isabella, and colonialism as an honorable mention, but mostly chess and Isabella. So it's no surprise that there may be a connection between the two. Like in chess, Isabella the Queen was more powerful than her husband, Ferdinand, but at the same time, the king was the most powerful for show purposes, which is, you know, like chess, like I just said. The movements of the queen as we know it today were first documented in the poem Sox de Amor, which describes a game of chess played between Venus and Mars, and the authors are from Castile. So that's how we know it came from there. The reception to the new style of game with a wily queen was not warm at first, it was formerly known as Queen's Chess, not just chess, but critics of the game pejoratively called it Mad Woman's Chess, whereas her old movements were considered a slant, you know. The new movements of the Queen in Mad Woman's Chess were seen as hysterically aggressive. <laughs> of this belief, Marilyn writes, quote, female power was a bitter pill for many to swallow. <laughs> Regardless of the critics to the game, this version became popular all throughout Europe, partly due to the invention of the printing press at the time, which allowed people to spread the rules of the game, but also due to the expulsion of the Jewish population from Spain, because they were kicked out, and so they went to other places, thus taking chess with them and spreading it to wherever they ended up. Which is too bad. So... With the introduction of Queen's Chess, a game that used to stretch for days became fast enough that games could be finished in a few dozen moves. The increased pace in the game also made the game more tactical and people began recording games, writing books, and playing in public spaces for spectators. Which is how we know chess today. Also previously, this is just another fun fact, in the games it was customary to warn the opponent that you were about to attack the Queen by announcing guards de la reine, or simply guards, in the same way you would say check when you were about to murder the king. However, the custom was abandoned in the 19th century. And then this is just the last fun fact to end the episode. In Russia, the queen piece actually has more moves, well, had, they play typical chess now, but it had more moves than the traditional game. So she could move however she wanted, but she could also move like a knight. So she would go in an L shape, but 
she wasn't allowed to jump any pieces while doing it. So it was still limited, but still it really actually made that piece the most powerful, like above and beyond. (laughs) People weren't down for the queen to gallop like a horse. And so they started playing the typical chess game. However, the piece lives on and it's called an Amazon and people play it in fairy chess. What's fairy chess, you ask? (laughs) It's just chess, but different. Like they just have different pieces that can do different things. And also the boards aren't always eight by eight. Sometimes they're eight by 10. And it's just like some guy was like, yeah, chess is fun, but I'm going to do it this way and did fairy chess. I can dig it. Anyways, that was my episode. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you are listening. Also, uh, if you're on any social medias, please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at That Broads Got Moxie or on Twitter at Broads Got Moxie. And also, go ahead and shoot us an email if you have any questions. If you want to play fairy chess, you can email us. I don't think we'll play with you, though. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, And our email address is thatbroadsgotmoxie at gmail.com. Okay, thanks. Bye. Music by Sage Krenning. Cover art by Vinny Navarrete. Produced and edited by Danielle Barsanti. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.